Welcome to Cycling Life, the Bigfoot Cycle Club podcast. This time I'm in conversation with club member John Griffiths, who's back after riding the 21 stages of the 2,000 plus miles of the Tour de France for the second time, and all that on top of doing a taster tour before, which was half the route. We spoke about all the important questions like how do you train for it, how much does it cost, how many pairs of kit do you need to take, and can you get a late dinner? The event, previously called Tour de Force, is now known as Le Loop, and it takes place a week or so ahead of the professionals doing it. But we started by talking about John's first ride with Bigfoot 11 years ago. What I first remember is uh, turning up on my hybrid bike that I've been using for commuting for, uh, for another 10 or so years before that, going out with um, the level 3s as they were then, and, and still are now actually, uh, and struggling to keep up. I have a particular memory of riding past someone who just spent a lot of money on a, on a new bike and being uh, quite annoyed that I was able to keep up on my hybrid. So that's a, a memory that sticks out. And um, also towards the end of the ride, I remember being uh, shepherded in by somebody who could see I was then starting to struggle because it was, it was, it was hard work, that, that first ride. So, um, yeah, the support and, and the, the start of you know, seeing some banter already, and that's my first ride. So. And f- to go from that to doing the full route of the Tour de France is quite a leap. It's a very big leap. Um, and I think I started off with, with a giant step at the beginning as well. Uh, I, I started riding with Bigfoot in the summer of 2008. And I was paying a lot of attention to what people around me were saying that they were doing, various sportives and things in, in the area. And I was thinking, well, if I'm riding with you on a Saturday, I sh- should be able to do that as well. So I did uh, the Surrey Legs of Steel in 2009. Um, and then... Uh, there was uh, did the hell of the Ashdown, I, th- I think it was, uh, and we did uh, one of the club rides to Brighton and back, and then my my third organised sportive was the Marmot in the Alps. So that was a, a very big leap, and um, that's very much uh, Hugh Webb's fault. So I will blame and thank Hugh for that. Um, again, I was riding with him, and that was his ambition for 2010, and it just caught my imagination. And when I knew that was something that we could do. That's what, that's what I wanted to do. So that's how I got started. And from, from there, I suppose I was then looking at uh, doing a tap. So I, I did the tap four times, did the marmot again um, with a couple of years' experience under, under my belt and uh, pleased to see how I'd uh, sort of come on in, in, that, in that time. Um, done various other things as well. So uh, uh, rode across, I'd ridden across um, the Pyrenees. Um, spent a week down in Vontu with a number of people from, from the club so I'd done a number of things and it was in the back of my mind that maybe one day when I'll retire I'll, I'll do the uh, route of the Tour de France uh, and I'd, I'd worked out I was looking at the, the tour the 2014 tour actually when it was announced the one that started in Yorkshire and I'd worked out a way in which four guys in a car sharing the driving um, could maybe get round the whole route in, in five weeks um, stopping off maybe more than than a, than a professional would but so everyone had a chance to, to ride the bits they wanted to and uh, yeah it, it, kind of, it kind of worked and um, as soon as I'd worked that out uh, that's when Hugh announced that um, he was doing uh, the 2014 the whole of the Tour de, uh, uh, Tour de France with, with uh, the Tour de Force as they were called that then uh, Le Loop now so as soon as I'd heard about that my piece of paper with my carefully worked out plan went straight in the bin and I thought well I'm going to do that and little did I know, it was only two years later that I went back from my, my, my first taste of it. Because you don't have to do the whole route if you don't want to, or haven't got the time to, uh, or the resources to. You can just do a few stages, or even one stage. 
Uh, yes, yeah, so the minimum you do would typically be two stages. Uh, so what they do is when the root comes out, they break it down so you can do a, a, a gentle introduction would be to do um, two stages. Um, so for the year just gone, that would that would have been the stages uh, starting in, in Nîmes, so in Provence, not too hilly, uh, very, very scenic, uh, good way to um, start. Or you can just do three or four days in the Alps, or you can do... Uh, you can do uh, the whole of the first half or you can do the whole of the second half. Lots of different ways of, of getting a taste of that. And um, that's what I did in, in 2016. I decided just to ride the first half to see how I would feel uh, at the end of it. And what were your learning points from doing half of the, the loop? From doing, from doing the half of the loop, I, I wrote down probably about 10 things um, which, which I, would, I would do differently. Uh, one was to um, make sure I brought plenty of winter kit and, and use it because you... You never know when you might need it. Uh, two pairs of shoes, um, because there's nothing worse than cycling in, in wet shoes. So, uh, so And taking newspaper as well. So uh, just in case there aren't any newspapers, you can swipe from the hotel reception. Uh, so I actually have some newspaper in, in my bag. And other things like um, m- maybe more on the, the mental preparation side of things, like don't worry if you're, if you're late back, Sarah will always make sure there's something there for dinner. There's always some, always something to eat. Because these are things that you worry about when, when it could be late. And one of the other things was um, was a tip I learned from from Gary Ball when uh, we he, Gary was doing the whole route in 2017 and we roomed together while I was out. He'd taken uh, washing line and pegs, and I thought that's a master idea. So that was that was on my list as well. Yeah, because you are living out of a suitcase for for three weeks, which is is bad enough. Yep, living out of suitcase. Uh, so it starts off, you feel like you're, you're in control of things. And certainly in the first first week, I felt uh, un- under control. Um, but by the time it gets on, uh, basically, you do just lose control of the suitcase. Uh, uh, you, you get in, you have a suitcase explosion. <laughs> um, you have stuff all, all over the place. In fact, my, my roommate from this year had it sorted. He had, he'd, he'd invested it in a bag which had lots of different compartments in it and I thought that was that was genius as well. So um, when it's one suitcase, you try and be organised, you try and use plastic bags, you try and put stuff in the, in the, in the same sort of areas so you know, you know where it is. But ultimately, when you're short of time and all you want to do is find your kit for the next day, yeah, certain things go out the window. How many pairs of kit did you take? I took, uh, I took six jerseys, yeah, six, six jerseys, Six bib shorts and uh, ten pairs of socks. Three. Yeah. <laughs> well, some they do recommend you you take you take less. Um, some people take one or two, um, some three. But my my thinking was more on on the on the practical, knowing that uh, well we had ten days before a rest day this year unusually. So by having six meant that I could wear each set of kit once and have a, a spare in case I needed it, and then get it all washed on that first rest day and then basically it gets easier i think that the first week is the toughest one from a logistical point of view and it, it all comes down to how much time you're prepared to spend washing stuff out and getting dried and how many times you want to wear a kit that's been washed but maybe not properly washed so i figured one hand wash was probably enough for any pair of bib shorts tell me about the training that you do for it is there a, a recommended training program or do you just make it up as you go along on the Loop's website, they do post some some training advice. So um, you can imagine, you know, the, some of the basics are, are about increasing the number of long rides you do as as, as the year goes on, starting starting from January. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think I've trained differently each of the, the three times I, I've I've done this because I did half in 2016, then I rode the whole route um, 2017, and then again this year. 
So the first couple of years, the focus was on making sure I, I did at least 150 miles riding each week, one ride of at least 70 miles and doing 10,000 feet of climbing. So that was, that was what I aimed at. It was harder the first time because I was still working full time. So I was cramming in, uh, well, making my commutes longer, um, adding the, making the club rides longer by starting earlier. 2017, I actually did a, a, some, I did less, no, I did more miles in 2017 than I did in the previous year. But I wasn't working full time then, so I was doing four days on, three days off. So that was different. Um, and then for for this time, I'm working three days a week, so I had more more time available when when I first did it, but not as much as two years ago. So for the first time ever, I um I got a smart train, and I was I was I was on the turbo all the winter, uh, just trying to inc- increase my power. Um, so I ended up doing less miles this time than the previous two years, but I felt at least as well prepared if, if not if not slightly better so it's, it's getting the miles in and just thinking about having decent training objectives I think because um, it's easy just just ride and ride and ride without thinking about it but certainly getting lots of long rides in as well. When you were slogging up some mountain in the Alps did you think I wish I'd done more training? No that never it never occurred to me no I, I felt um physically I think I, I was in a good place the whole time um, this this time around Yes, there are a couple of days when you're feeling it more, but uh, I, I never thought, never felt, uh, never felt underprepared either physically or, or mentally, really, which I think is as much part of the uh, the issue. But you had the benefit of having done it before, so you must, in the back of yeah. your mind, think, "I know I can do this." Yes, I, I think one of the reasons why I enjoyed this more than the previous times was was the knowledge that I had done it before. So that gives you a great sense of uh, confidence. Because uh, in, in 2017, whilst I, I believed I could do it based on so the recce I'd done, I'd done the year before, uh, and I was fully confident that I would be able to do it. It's quite different having, you know, that knowledge in in, in your in your in your head that yes, you have done this before and you can do it again. Um, because it's whilst each route is different it's about the same number of miles and uh the, the climbing i think the climbing was slightly more this time uh, than, it, than it was previously but but still uh, so there were no days when you woke up and you thought yeah i really don't fancy getting on my bike today never occurred to me no uh, you're there you're there to ride the bike and, and that's it everything else is taken care of for you so the hotels and food and all rest is, is all sorted so the only thing you've got to do is to, is to ride your bike so um don't think about not doing it you kept a, a blog, you kept us up to date with some photos and your thoughts yeah. and also a suffer score for each stage. And I noticed that stage 15 this year, 10 out of 10. Why was that? 10, 10 out of 10, yes. My, my uh, not very scientific suffer score. Um, yeah, there's a n- number of reasons for that. Uh, stage 15, that's from Limoux to uh, Foix. The night before, we, well, we'd had a great day. I had a, one of the best days ever the day before so maybe that's part of the reason for a, for a come down the next day but a great day on the tourmalet um, but we were staying in a in a accommodation that had been opened for us um, which was a little cramped it was okay um, but the bed was very uncomfortable I felt like I was uh, sleeping on the side of a hill um, we, all right, we were on top of a mountain but the the, the, the mattress was de- the bed was definitely lopsided so I ended up sleeping on the floor and it wasn't that comfortable we hadn't eaten especially well either um, they'd put on a, a buffet for us but it was it wasn't hot food so I always feel like I've not eaten properly if I've not had hot food so hadn't slept well hadn't eaten all that well and uh, we were expecting a three-hour coach transfer the following morning it turned out to be four hours so we weren't riding until quarter to 11 um, it was going to be a tough day uh, with a lot of climbing 
and uh, finishing uh, on the, the Prat d'Albi, so overlooking Foix. And because I, I wasn't able to start climbing that until about half nine or nine o'clock, something like that. Anyway, it was getting dark. And so I think that day I, I was struggling physically because of the, 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 the sleep and not eating. Uh, and mentally, because in the back of my mind was the thought I might not be able to get to the end and then back and then get back down during daylight hours. And um, whilst I was telling myself it wouldn't really matter because I'd done the whole tour before, yeah, these things always matter. Um, so yeah, it was it was tough. And then coming back down, there were six of us uh, with, with lights on, um, so that that helped. But it was a long, slow descent. Um, good to get that out of the way. But yeah, that can't be anything other than ten out of ten. And also, I think the, the flat stages tend to be uh, mentally quite tough as well, don't they? Yes, they're mentally um, challenging. I, I don't think my suffer scores were so high on, on, on those. Um, but what, what happens then is you, you get into a group. So we were seven or eight people uh, riding together and you just get into rotation and you just, uh, yeah, it's long and it's boring. And I think my summary that day was rotate, 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 feed stop one. Etc. Until you got until you got to the end, um, and the only and that was the stage into into Chalon, which I think even for, for the pros, they also said it was a really boring <laughs> day. Um, so the, yeah, the best that can be said about that was the was was the water fountains and uh, and the troughs where we were able to dunk our heads under the water just just to just to cool off. Well, I guess you were pretty lucky with the weather this year. It didn't have any major tr- major downpours. Yeah, weather-wise, it was it was great. So I, I've dubbed this the Sunshine Tour de France, and that'll be the title of my book when I download the blog into, into printed form. But yeah, it was we were between two extreme heat waves. So it was when we arrived in Brussels, it was forty degrees in Paris and was high thirties in, in Brussels. And then we finished when we finished in Paris again. It was just about to climb up to forty again. So most of the time we're in the mid thirties, which yeah, that's hard going. Um, but you do get acclimatized as, as you as you're going along. And weather-wise, there was just the one day when, um, yeah, three thunderstorms got ca- only got caught in one, fortunately. So uh, the, the rest of the time, it was just, just perfect conditions. Because you also keep a log of, of how much you were drinking, kind of about four litres a day. Yes, that's right. So we were told at the start to uh, drink, drink and drink plenty. Um, and the recommendation, particularly that first day in, in, in Brussels, was so we have four feed stops. So that breaks the ride into five sections. So drink two bottles uh, for each each section, so 10 bottles. I'm normally quite bad at drinking enough. Um, so I, I thought, well, if I keep a log of how much I'm drinking, then it'll force me to think about it. Uh, and uh, and if I'm thinking about, or oh, was that f- bottle four or bottle five, then at least I'm thinking about drinking. So yeah, you just had to drink a lot on those days so your energy doesn't doesn't dip and you don't dehydrate and you know all, all these other problems that can come from not being properly hydrated so i think i think i managed that one and you do also have time trial stages does anybody ride them as time trials not this year apparently last year somebody did turn up in a in a time trials in a suit and got uh, ribbed terribly for that uh, especially as he also got lost and also had a crash um, and, and, and ripped his suit. So there was no, there's no repeat of that. We had a couple of guys uh, who turned up in. They were just wearing, uh, as I'm dressed now, shorts and t-shirt, because it was a holiday ride. It's only 25 kilometres. They weren't getting into lycra for that. Um, but no, it, it's just a case of of getting getting round and then getting on with the rest of the day because it's a, an unofficial rest day done by lunchtime. We haven't yet spoken about why. Le Loop exists. What's the story behind the charity? 
Yeah, so um, it has has uh, sad beginnings. So um, it's about 20 years ago that um, uh, William Waits, who was the youngest of five brothers, he was murdered on the uh, streets in, in South America when he was on a gap year. And w- what the family did was set up a, a memorial trust in, in his name, so the William Waits Memorial Trust. And the idea being that they wanted to, to raise funds to um, support grants-giving charities, which were... Uh, have been primarily in the in the southeast, but not not uniquely so. There's one charity that's supported in France as well, and the idea is to give young people opportunities they may not otherwise have um, to fulfil their potential and, and, av- and avoid a, a life of crime. So, at a really awful beginnings, that's how they they they, they put that together. And then Le Loop, as it is now, is the primary fundraising arm for that. So, uh, as as riders, we have the cost of taking part, and we have a a donation target that we we have to reach as well so we can support the charity and William's parents come out uh, each year for a, a few stages um, here and there and and uh, two or three of the, of, the, of the brothers come out as well and and will ride with us so there's a there's a great intermingling between the um, between the, the family and, and, and the cyclists and uh, you know being able to really convey what what it's all about and y- yes we're, we're there because we want to ride ride around France but there's a bigger purpose as well and some of the people who've been helped by the charity actually come out and take part in the ride they do we have there were two charities um, w- one is a, is a charity that, that works on a on an estate in the west of london and it uh, gives young people skills that they m- may not have learned otherwise and they so for example they have a small bakery on the on, on the estate and uh, one of the young young girls who works in that she came over with with an uh, adult uh, supervisor not to ride she didn't want to ride a bike but um, she was happily uh, working on the feed stations making sandwiches so that's how she got to uh, experience the tour so that was great and then on another occasion two people came up, came up from the uh, youth adventure trust so so they work with uh, people who are sort of a bit troubled in, in in secondary school, shall we say, and, and show them uh, uh, other ways of being rather than causing trouble, and uh, hopefully sort of change their minds that way. So um, they they do lots of um, expeditions or all sorts of a- outdoor type um, a- activity, which of course we as cyclists uh, and understand the, the importance of that. And so the young person who came out from that again, he didn't want to ride, um, but he was a keen photographer. So we. He was set up um, in in the forest uh, at the in the uh, Pont du Gard, and he was there taking photos of people as we came through. Had a thoroughly brilliant time, and um, the the lady who came out to, to accompany him, she's a cyclist, and so she actually rode the whole of that stage, which was which was great. You mentioned earlier that about the costs. What, how does yeah. it work out? The way the cost works out, um, so it's well this year is I think it was 150 pounds a night for each night you're on tour. So it's good value because for that you've got your hotel room, you've got all all your food, all the food at the feed stop uh, stops, you've got uh, mechanics, you've got physios, and uh, there's there's doctors. So it's it's great. It's good value. Obviously, when you're there for three and a half weeks, well you can do you can do the sums. Uh, 23 nights, 24 nights on tour, it does add add up. But uh, I say it's good value for for what you get. Um, obviously, if you're going for for three days or five days, it, it's less. And then there's the fundraising target as well. So, for, for people like me who did the whole tour, we had to raise three thousand pounds. I think uh, if you're if you're doing less, then you might be asked to raise eighteen hundred or twelve hundred or eight hundred, um, depending on which section you're doing. Is there one memory that you've got from this year or 2017? There'll never just be one. Um, the the best one, and which which really put the seal on it for me, was um, uh, my wife Babs coming out to Paris. The tour was complete. It, it was great when I did it in 2017, and then I came home to a great reception. But um, yeah, to be able to share that the end that was that that's, that was particularly special. 
Um, I mean, there are other great moments on, on the bike too. That's, that's the standout one. And of the obvious question, will you do it again? <laughs> well, nobody would believe if, if I said I wouldn't. I've got no immediate plans to, um, as never to say you know, never again, but it is a tough ask. I suppose what would do it, what might influence things was uh, if there are a number of people from from Bigfoot who uh, who I know you're out there and I know you're capable of, of of doing it. So if there was to be a group um, one day going out, then I might be tempted to do at, at least a few stages. It's great riding with doing the event with friends. Um, that's how I felt it went this year because there was quite a gang of us um, this year who rode together in 2017. That makes it special. So um, I, I'm sure if we could get a a group out from Bigfoot, that, that would be good, and yeah, I might might join. So if people want more information, where should they look? They can go to ridelaloop.org. From, from there you, you'll see information about the, the tour just gone and the, the, the already sto- talking about, about next year. And from there you get links to the uh, William Waits Memorial Trust as well, which I think is www.mt.org. But uh, search on William Waits, you can find that. Or you can go to my blog. So, uh, John's Tour de Force dot blog. You, you can see what all the stuff I, I wrote there. Yes, yeah, so a lot, lots of different different places. And there's even your video. And there's even my video. Yeah. So there's a, a link to that is posted on uh, on on the Bigfoot site. So, bigfootcc.co.uk. Somewhere, if you search for if you search on Le Loop, you'll you'll find a, a link to a, a video I made because one thing I did this year, which I didn't do previously, was. Um, I started taking videos and I started taking videos while moving on the bike, which I thought I would never be able to achieve without either falling off or dropping the camera. Um, but I did. And um, when I got home, um, I spent a happy day putting those together into one coherent whole and uh, adding in a few stills. Um, yeah, just, just, just having a bit of fun, really. I mean, the, the main thing I remember about this year is just having had a lot of fun really. I had, there was none of the, the fear, or I mean yes there was anticipation, there was none of the, none of the fear, I sort of knew what was coming and uh, just made sure that I enjoyed it and I think taking lots of photos, taking taking videos, um, just just all, all part of that. Well John thanks very much for sharing all that with us and if you do do it again good luck. Thank you.